Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. Good morning. Good to see you. Always good to see you. Uh, Those of you watching at home, online, or if you're watching this recorded later, please know we miss you and can't wait to see you. Can't wait till you can join us. Uh, It's a lot better in person. Amen? It's always good to be together. Uh, Appreciate your your patience. Appreciate your cooperation as we still work through some of the issues uh, and figure out what's going on with this crazy virus. But we are not in fear, right? Why? Because God is good and living word is a COVID-free zone. We are protected people. We are healed people. Amen? Praise the Lord. And we've got a special treat for you guys today. Uh, Most of you know Neil and Danette Childs. Uh, Beth and I became acquainted with them, I guess, in probably 2009, maybe. uh, When we were in Farmer City, they were sort of uh, regular speakers there on their their trips home to the States. And uh, ever since that first time, I don't think we have ever neglected the opportunity to have you in. I think we've had you guys in every time we could have you in when they've been home on uh, furlough. And uh, you just call it furlough, what do you call it? Whatever, your, your trip home as they come home and uh, just visit family and, and uh, visit people who've uh, supported them and befriended them over the years. We love them so much. We went over to Africa to hang out with them there, had the privilege of ministering and puking alongside this family. Uh, and uh, <laughs> good times, great times. And uh, just so blessed that this relationship uh, has continued over the years. There's uh, very few people that, that, that we enjoy being around as much as, as you guys. You're, you're a blessing, not just to listen to and learn from, but just to fellowship with. And Neil's got a new book out, and I'll have a special word for you about that after. He might be talking about it, but I've got a special treat for you concerning that book that I'll share with you at the end of this service as a quick reminder uh, in case there's anything you have to do. Uh, to prepare, we will be taking, be receiving two separate offerings, but the offerings we receive are you dropping your checks or cash in the baskets. The one marked special offering is for Neil and Danette. But if you're going, if you need another check or another envelope, you can uh, indicate to an usher and they can get you one of those. Meanwhile, uh, Neil and Danette uh, and their family, Neil and Danette have been over there since 1998. It'd be 22 years, would you say, this month? 22 years they've been over there working in Niger. Uh, and I'll let Neil fill in some of the gaps of his background, but he was raised on the mission field in Nigeria and uh, had a heart for those people, the people that of, of, of that nation have, uh, that, that's, that's where he's invested his life. And he's not just, I don't know how much you know about missions, I don't know what your picture of missions is, but this book will tell you a lot of that story because he's not just over there spending his life, he is raising up a people who will continue this work until the Lord returns. They've founded churches, they've, they've raised up pastors, they've built a school, uh, so that the whole idea is that uh, this ministry doesn't rest on the shoulders of Neil and Danette Childs, so that they have followed the, wor- followed the word of the Lord and built something that is going to last. They are a tremendous couple, a tremendous family, and we are so blessed to have a relationship with them. Would you please give a warm living word welcome to Neil and Danette Childs. 
Am I on? You're on there. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Truly, we have great joy today. Because we can come and see you face to face. social distancing So we are even though we're social distancing. But now we're close to you. Hallelujah. Amen. We come to say thank you. Yakiramu guest speakers. You call us a guest speaker. But I, uh, we take it like we're family. We came to see our family. And we say thank you. The way you have supported us. And we are working together. So we can tell all of the people that Jesus is the Savior of the world. There is no Say other yes way except through Jesus. So, so we're going to sing a song. Y'all ready? Okay. I said a lot more than what she just interpreted. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Samada kasa Yesu kaisa yabo Asamada kasa Yesu kaisa yabo Kaisa yabo Yesu Kaisa yabo Yesu Asamada kasa Yesu kaisa yabo asamada kasa Yesu kaisa yabo You are worthy Lord Jesus You are worthy Lord Jesus in heaven and on earth Jesus you are worthy heaven and on earth, Jesus, you are worthy. Hallelujah. He is worthy, amen? Amen. It is, as Neil said, is such a privilege to be here. We love being here with you guys. And you may or may not remember, but I was not here last year, so it's been two years. Um, Toby took my place, and Neil said y'all missed me, so, Right? <laughs> I have, I, do you have the pictures? I actually brought a, like a family update because you kind of know, well, you know our other, our two of our younger kids. So Toby was here last year and he was here um, literally, I mean, we left, well, they had to leave right after on Sunday to get back to Tulsa because he enrolled at ORU Monday morning. So he has finished successfully his first year at ORU, at Oral Roberts University and is up in Minnesota working. So there's Tobes. And, uh, yeah, he's a great guy, and we missed him so much in Niger. I, when we first got back to Niger after leaving him here, I walked down the hall and almost lost it. Well, I kind of lost it as I walked by his bedroom, and it, he was not in it. But he, we're so thankful for his life and what God has done. And then Tanika was here a few years ago, and the reason I was not here was because she had just had their first baby. And so I have a picture of Tanika and Stephen, and that's little Levi, my burrito. 
<laughs> he's, um, he's our fifth grandson or grandchild, and Tanika and Steven, and pregnant with number two. So, um, yeah, that's pretty exciting. They're in Tulsa. Steven's actually um, training uh, in boot camp for the National Guard, so he's in Missouri right now. And then um, Trey, which I don't believe you've met in his family, Trey and Christy, just had their fourth baby. And um, so we have Judah, Charlie, Des, and Oliver is the little guy. And I, we have yet to meet Oliver, but a week from tomorrow, we will meet him for the first time. So very excited about that. So we appreciate your prayers for our family. Um, and again, Trey, you haven't met, but he, he and Tanika both also graduated from Roberts University and his wife, our daughter-in-law is Christy. So they, they live out in Washington State and Trey works for World Vision there. So um, we also, I, this us being here is a miracle, not like, wow, you guys are so fortunate to have us here, but getting, to <laughs> you are experiencing a miracle right now, <laughs> no. but God will make a way. I just wanted to encourage you that for, he did it for us. We are, our borders in Niger are still closed down. Not so much because the COVID is there. We have less than a thousand cases, um, but they don't want people coming in. So the borders are closed. So that was preventing us from being able to get out. So long story, but God made a way when there really seemed to be no way. And it was a difficult time being locked in like that, but here I stand. Three, we've been here for three weeks now. And so, so grateful to God for that. So just keep that in mind. He will make a way. You know, with all this craziness going on, you know, we are in the midst of the COVID and then also terrorism. We're in kind of a terrorism hotspot. And, and seeing what's going on here, and I honestly, to be completely honest, was, you know, Lord, you could just go ahead and come back now. You know, this is craziness. But honestly, then what comes to my mind immediately following that, following that thought is almost a little twinge of guilt because there are so many people still yet to hear. So that's what God is waiting for. That's what Jesus is waiting for to come back is because there are still people remaining that need to hear the, the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. And in spite of everything going on, in spite of our place being a hotspot in terrorism, the church is growing. I am here to testify that the church is growing. We have, in our ministry, planted more churches in the midst of all of this craziness. So now, 62, we're at 62 churches now in Niger, just within our ministry. But there are other ministries as well planting churches. So the gospel is moving forward. Um, we have a video, and well, the book, let me mention, Neil's new book. This was a result of COVID. I don't know if that's a good way to say that, but um, he took the time been wanting to do this. He preached the generation's message in this church several years back. But um, this is a this is a book about being generational. It's a great book, I gotta say. Then this one we may have had here before a few years ago. The Vision Speaks. It's sort of a pictorial of um, the ministry in Niger, and it's already outdated because I don't know. There's maybe 50 churches listed in this book, and now there's 62. But we like to have it available as a prayer guide for people who are serious about praying. You can go and, and pray for each pastor and, and church in the ministry there. We have a video. And last year, you know, I had done a video. I wasn't here. But Neil showed the video. Um, so we don't want to show that one again because that was just last year. But we picked one that actually we wanted you to see. And it's kind of old. And you'll see you'll probably the way it will be most dated is Toby because he's, he's much smaller. So this video was done in 2013, but it still tells the story and shows what you guys are supporting and what you're a part of. So as you watch that, remember that you are part of everything that you see happening in the video. Amen? All right. 
Hallelujah. An old one, but I love, that's one of my favorites right there. We always want to show a video when we come to speak because we want you to see what you're a part of. We want you to have the vision. You see, vision's so powerful to be able to see with your eyes. I mean, they say a, a picture's a thousand words. I mean, a video is like exponential. I mean, it just, you can see it. You know, vision allows you to see what others can't see. Vision allows you to see what is ahead. Vision allows you to see your destiny. You know, uh, people, the Bible says the people perish where there is no vision. We need to be people of vision. Today I want to talk about one particular aspect of vision, and that is focus. Everybody can have vision, but many times they lack focus. I think we're living in a time right now in the last few months. You know, it's funny, 2020, people were saying, oh, 2020, the year of a clear vision. I think 2020, the year that you need focus. Because in the midst of all this uncertainty and in the midst of all the uh, threats of whether it's sickness or financial ruin or whatever it is, the depression, the discouragement, whatever the news media is telling you you need to have, you need to have your focus. We as the believers can't lose sight of what God has called us to do. That's a good place. Amen, brother. We've got to have focus. So today as I come and I share vision, a vision for the world, a vision for souls, a vision to reach the unreached, I also want us to make sure that we remember the importance of it. It's not just about having a vision. It's about having the focus to keep your vision on target. Amen? So I'm going to start with a passage in Matthew chapter 14, a passage we've all heard. And while I'm doing that, let me just put a big plug in for my book, Beyond One. It's actually going back to the, the message on generational thinking that I've preached probably for about seven or eight years now, but I really feel like it's one of the keys to fulfilling the Great Commission. We know to be, uh, to fulfill the Great Commission, by definition, you have to be missional, which is uh, sending and being sent, but I also believe the next key is that we need to be generational. We have to make sure that we're passing on to those that are coming after us. So the book really talks about honoring those that have come before us and empowering those that we're raising up and breaking down that disconnect between the generations. So I encourage you to get a copy of the book and to read it and support our ministry. Amen. And I believe you'll be blessed. Okay, Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, starting in verse 23. Actually, I'll, I'll back it up to... Verse 25, sorry if I gave you the wrong verse. Okay, it says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to, to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat. Walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Everybody say, Peter walked, or Jesus was walking on the water. And Peter walked on the water. He got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. But verse 30, it says, but when he saw the wind and he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. How many have ever felt like you were walking on water? You know, we use that term to kind of talk about like everything is going great. You are like, you feel like you're walking on water. 2007, our family, our ministry, I mean, I felt like 
I was walking on water. Everything seemed to be going great. Our ministry was, was one of the fastest growing in the Marathi region. We were planting churches when other ministries hadn't been able to plant churches among the Hausa. We were seeing it. Our discipleship school was doing awesome. And then that same year, in the midst of all this growth, we had the privilege of hosting Richard Roberts, Oral Roberts Ministries, coming to do the first ever mass evangelism in Niger. And we hosted this, this incredible meeting uh, where we had never had even 10,000 gather for a meeting before. We had 30,000 gather for the first ever mass evangelism crusade in Niamey. And we hosted him. And uh, we saw the miracles and the signs and wonders and blind eyes were open, lame were walking. I, I remember uh, even having the privilege to go in with Richard and meet the president of Niger and shook his hand. And I mean, I felt like I was walking on water. 3,800 salvations filled out cards, people being discipled in just four days of ministry. I felt like 2007 I was walking on water. But how many have ever felt like you were sinking? You know, Peter, one minute, he's walking on water and he's going to Jesus, it says, and, 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 he, and he's going to Jesus, and then it says, but when he saw the wind and the waves, well, first of all, can you see wind? But he says he sees the wind. Obviously, his focus was taken off Jesus, where he was going, and it was put on to the situation all around, and immediately he begins to sink. Have you ever felt that sinking feeling? 2007, we were walking on water, and then early 2008, Everything changed so quick. I mean, from, from, from being the ministry that hosted Richard Roberts and, and is accredited in Niger with, with bringing mass evangelism to Niger, and then the very next, very short time later, my family experienced a just a, a turning upside down. My daughter loses her sight. One day she calls from uh, the... the the principal calls from the school and says, Tanika cannot see. And so, I mean, here I am, the, the man who hosted the miracle healing rally, and now his daughter can't see. And so my wife is quickly uh, air-vacked with um, Tanika to go to Ghana, because in Niger we didn't have any uh, MRI or CAT scan or whatever. She takes off, and just two hours after we leave them at the airport to take off for the air-vac, my son Trey is hit by a truck. Uh, he's on his motorcycle, hit by a truck, and I get a call. Your son's been hit immediately. Uh, you need to come immediately. I jump in my car, run out to the road that they told me, and when I arrive there, there's a crowd. And they're all on the street. And the crowd sort of parts as I walk, and I see my son laying on the pavement. Man, you feel a, <laughs> a feeling of sinking? Praise God, I said, Trey, and his eyes open. You know, and like that's the first thing. Well, you saw Trey's doing great, amen? I mean, yeah, I, we gave you the picture, so don't worry. My, my daughter can see and my son is, is fine. But you know, it, everything turned around. It's almost like one Sunday we were all gathering together and the next Sunday we can't see each other anymore. That quick, everything just turned around. Ours was, we were one minute, great ministry was doing great, hosting the biggest meeting ever for evangelism and then the next minute my family was split up Danette's in Ghana I had to go air back to with Trey to Paris my son Toby stayed in Niger with my parents our family was split I felt like I was sinking and in the midst of that I begin to say I begin to question I mean it, it's only normal when things happen like that you question why why did this happen and so 
I'm in Paris and trying to communicate with Danette, and I, I call her and get through, and we're talking, and we're trying to encourage each other, and I just, I really felt like the Lord had stirred in my heart. Why is this happening? That this is a distraction from the enemy. And I said that to Danette, and I said, well, I really feel like this is just really the enemy trying to get us off target. This is a distraction. And Danette said, that's exactly what the Lord had said to me. And once we knew it, then we knew how to, to deal with it. It's the enemy. And so right then we, we begin to realize we've got to pull the distractions out and keep our focus. See, I want to talk to you today about some things I learned about focus. The Apostle Paul's ministry was so focused. He said, I make it my aim to preach Christ where he's not been preached. I, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. I run the race that is set before me. We've got to put some focus into our life, into our ministry, into the direction that we're going. Amen? So I want to talk to you about some of the things I learned about focus. Because there are so many distractions going on right now, I want us to gain some, some uh, just, just to be encouraged and focus. Number one, focus determines direction. Focus determines direction. What you focus on is where you're going. You aim, where, where you aim is where, where it's going to hit. In Niger, as we were just starting to open up our churches just a couple months ago, this was the message I preached there for, for our people in Niger. And I had a bow and arrow, and I was using the bow and arrow to, because the, I, the, the, there was no exact translation in Hausa for the word focus. So I was trying to show, you know, focus is where you're aiming. It's your focus. And I was using the bow and arrow, and I started shooting people and saying, you know, I, if I aim at you, I hit you, you know, and it was fun. But anyways, but we understand focus, right? Where focus determines your direction. So when you understand that, you realize that if I focus on the wrong things, I begin to head in the wrong direction, and I'll get, arrive at the wrong destination. So it's very important that right up front, we begin to focus on the right things, and we don't lose sight. We don't get distracted. We don't pull our vision, our eyes off of Jesus. See, as long as Peter was had his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on water, he was doing the miraculous, he was doing the supernatural, but when his focus got off Jesus, and it got onto the situations and the things going on around him, he began to sink. Focus determines direction. We need to lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us, and look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, keeping our eyes on Jesus, keeping our focus. Anyone who has put his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Amen? So we keep in our focus. Focus determines direction. Number two, focus should be based on purpose. Without purpose, our focus has no foundation. There's no basis. It, God, the, uh, Second Timothy chapter 1, it says, God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to anything that we've done, but according to his own purpose. You see, we've been called with a purpose. We have an assignment. And I know I'm just, I'm not telling you any new heavy revelation, but we've got to realize that if we're going to keep our focus, we need to keep in, in mind our purpose. See, our focus must be tied to our purpose. Once we separate from our purpose, we, no lo we can't keep our focus. We see that with John the Baptist. John the Baptist, his, his purpose on this earth was to be the, the forerunner to Jesus. His purpose was to declare to the world, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. Amen? The sins of the world. And then we see a, few, a little bit later after he declares that in the midst of the wilderness as he's baptizing people, we see a little bit later his circumstances have changed. Now we see he's, he's been unjustly treated and thrown in prison. And he's there in prison and he's hearing about this Jesus 
and he sends word to Jesus with a question to say, are you the one? Imagine, John, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that was sent? You see, when he was separated from his purpose, he lost his focus. You see, we've got to make sure that our focus is always tied to our purpose. We've got to know what is our purpose. Our purpose is to reach this world. And if we get separated, our purpose is to reconcile man to God. If we get separated from that, we're going to lose our focus. We've got to make sure that our focus is tied to our purpose. Amen. Our purpose, to have dominion. First words from God to us was be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and have dominion. We can't separate from our purpose. We've got to walk in our purpose if we're going to maintain our focus, if we're going to keep on walking on water. Do we have some people that are ready to walk on water today? Are you ready to walk on water? You've got to keep your focus and don't get distracted. Number three, focus maintains priorities. With purpose comes priorities. There's a lot of good things to do. There's so many things to do, but, but you can't do everything. You've got to now prioritize things according to your purpose. So focus maintains priorities. We're living in a time when things are busy. Things are moving fast. Society moves fast. I mean, compute, I mean, I think back when we used to write letters and it would take a month or to get there. I mean, when I lived in Africa, it took a month. And, and then to get a reply, it took another month. You know, things move slower. I mean, when I grew up, we didn't even have a phone in our, our, in our house because I grew up in Africa. You know, now everybody's got cell phones, even in these here. I mean, I can say, say this in these here. We all got cell phones. We got WhatsApp. I mean, in, the, in a minute, I can take a picture and send it across the world and everybody sees. I mean, and I'm not saying anything that's like blow your mind, but I'm just trying to bring you back to the reality. Things move fast. There's multitasking. A lot is going on. We're in a world. There's so much distractions and things that can pull your attention that we've got to prioritize. Jesus prioritized. In the midst of the crowds, in the midst of everything that he was doing, he always took time to separate from the crowd and go up on the mountain and made a priority to have his time with the Father. You see, if we're going to have focus, focus maintains priorities. Focus maintains priorities. We've got to keep the important things important. Your time and your resources, these are things that reflect your priorities. You know, and we, uh, how we spend our time and how, are, 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 are our priorities really lined up with our purpose that we can keep our focus and make sure that we're going to keep walking on water, keeping our eyes on Jesus. In Niger, it's easy to get things out of, out of priority because there's so much need in Niger. There's so many things that... Uh, whether it's hunger or it's facing the education problem in Niger or it's the need for water or, or whatever it is. In Niger, we, we're faced with so many things. You can almost be drawn into everything. I need to help with that and I need to help with that. And, and, and really, we've actually gotten drawn into a lot of things. We do drill wells. We, we have schools. We, we, I mean, but there was a time when the Lord said, that's not what I called you to do. And I had to prioritize. Okay, really the priority of why we are in Niger is to plant, to plant churches so that we can reach the people with the gospel. Planting churches is the priority God gave to us. That we need to plant churches and it's through the planting of churches which involves discipling and raising up 
pastors that that needs to be our priority. Now, it's not that we don't do these other things. We do feeding programs. We do well drilling. We do um, the education. We do literacy training, even for adults, that, that, so that they can read their Bibles. We do these things, but we have to maintain priorities. Focus maintains priorities. Number four. Anybody taking notes today? All right, great. Okay, number four. Focus is seeing in the light of God's word. Seeing in the light of God's word, that's true focus. What does God say about the situation? That should be what, 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 when God's word shines into the situation, then you can see, then you can focus. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God's word gives us the perspective. You know, Toby taught me so importantly how, uh, taught me very much how important perspective is. The way you see something. Uh, and, and I share this testimony, and I probably shared it before because I always throw it in because it's Toby. Um, it's in my book as well. But Toby, when he was growing up, he had a great friend, best friend, Philly. They did everything together. Um, as little kids, he's like four or five years old, doing everything together. One time we were in the States on furlough, if you want to call it furlough. We were stateside itinerating. And we get, we get a, an email that Philly has had. An accident, a car had backed up over him and injured his abdominal area. He survived it, but he was left severely injured. We come back, Toby and Philly pick right back up where they were. Only Philly was left with a situation where he couldn't control his bladder. He was peeing and urinating all the time. His pants were always wet, and you can imagine he smelled really bad. And But Toby and Philly continued just to play together all the time. They were always at our house. We would try to do things uh, have Philly take showers. We'd try to give him some different clothes or whatever, but truly the smell was constant. And one day I'd been gone all day at, at, at the Bible school teaching that morning, and I, I come back home. I'm tired. I don't know if I'm not in a great mood or whatever. I come into the house, and as soon as I walk into the house, man, I, Toby, uh, Philly is here. I call Toby, and I say, Toby, I can't take it today. The, the smell is too much. I, I just can't take it. Philly's got to go home. Toby looks up at me and says, what smell? And that was the moment I realized the way Toby was seeing his friend Philly was completely different than the way I saw him. When I saw Philly, I'm thinking this, this burden I'm having to just put up with, you know, and that ah, I've got to have stinky Philly in my house. But Toby's saying, man, this is my best friend. He doesn't even smell Philly. Perspective is a huge effect on how you see something. If we're going to focus, we need to see it from the right perspective. You know, when I met Danette, I had, come, I had grown up in Nigeria, and I met Danette at college, and we got married and all this, and, but she'd never been to Africa. So here we've had our first son, our baby, Trey, and we're getting ready for our first trip to Africa. And I've been telling Danette for years how, what a great home I grew up with in, in Nigeria. It's just a, 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 a nice home. I mean, I had even sketched out floor plans of what our house, my house looked like as a, as a kid growing up and just how much, I, in my mind, it was just this really awesome place. And so we arrived that first night into Nigeria, her first time to Africa, and we go to mom and dad's house and I, we stay in my old room. And man, Danette cried that night and she said, you think I can stay here? And I have to admit, my perspective had changed quite a bit because the way I started seeing my house was different. It wasn't the beautiful house I remember. It was the mission field and things weren't all clean and tidy. Some of y'all aren't sure how to take this story the way y'all are looking at me. 
but she got over it. I think it was jet lag, really, more than anything. But perspective changed. I saw that house, and it wasn't the beautiful house I remembered. I'd grown up. I, I came across a, a letter a few years ago, really emphasizes the power of perspective. And we're going to understand focus is seeing in the light of God's perspective, in the light of the perspective that God's word gives us. We've got to understand perspective. This is a letter from a, a college student that writes back to mom and dad. She says, dear mom and dad, wow, life has sure taken a turn since I wrote last month. I met this really neat guy, Billy. He's going to be a singer in a new band that he and his buddies are putting together. You know how I love musicians. He tried other jobs and hasn't been successful. He feels music is his true purpose in life. He is so disciplined. In fact, he gave up drinking two months ago and hasn't drank since. His probation officer says he's doing so well that his probation period may be possibly cut by six months. I'm so proud of him. Mom, I'm so glad that you taught me not to judge people by their appearance only. So when he asked me to marry him, I agreed knowing you'd understand. Because the band is just getting started, knowing you'd understand. Be because the band is just getting started, we have little cash, we decided to elope. Good news, you're going to be grandparents. Those surprised, we're excited to be expecting a baby, and with the coming of our baby, I thought it best to drop out of school for the time being. Perhaps later on in life, I'll finish my pre-med education. For now, we're still, we're staying with Billy's roommates, just until the band gets going, and then we'll get a place of our own. Hopefully, you'll be able to meet Billy soon. Love, Cindy. P.S. This is all untrue, but I did get a speeding ticket last night and a D on a calculus test. You see... Mom and dad are so relieved. Big deal. Speeding ticket, D on a calculus test, no biggie. You see, perspective really affects how we see something. If we're going to maintain focus, we've got to put this in perspective. You know, when, when Moses was told by God to send the spies into the land, they went into spy land that God had already told them, I'm giving it to you. It's yours. But they come back, those 12 spies, and 10 of them are saying, oh yeah, it's a great land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, this is awesome. But there's giants in the land, and we're just like grasshoppers in their sight and even in our own. Perspective. We need to begin to see in the light of what God's word says. What does God's word say? God's word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens in me. Amen. God's word says, Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. He shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What does God's word say? God's word says that if God be for me, who can be against me? Amen. So we begin to see in the light of God's word. No evil shall befall me. No plague shall come near my dwelling place. Though a thousand fall at my side or ten thousand in my right hand, it shall not come near me. Come on. We've got to keep our focus. Amen. Maintains priorities. Focus is seeing in the light of God's word. And number five, focus is not giving up. When we say focus, it's about not giving in and not giving up. You're going to maintain your focus, a determination, an, an endurance, a courage. Jesus is our example of focus. I want us to read in Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50 a prophetic word from Isaiah speaking for Jesus as he's facing the cross prophetically. 
Verse 5, it says, And the Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from the shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. When Jesus went to the cross, he had focus. And it says he, fed, he set his face like a flint. What does that mean? You know, we talk about when you set your jaw. He was so determined, his jaw was set. He set his face like a flint. I want you to make your face like a rock. Just make, and now look at your neighbor with your face like a rock. You're so determined. That's focus. When Jesus went to the cross, and I love the cross in this place. When Jesus went to the cross, he set his face like a flint. There was a focus. We've got to set our face like a flint. Jesus is our example. Not to be rude, but how many remember Michael Jackson? I know I'm talking about Jesus. I just transitioned to Michael Jackson. <laughs> how many remember Michael Jackson? Okay, we all remember Michael Jackson. He was a pop king, whatever. When he... When he died, there was a video clip that came out after he had passed. It hadn't come out until after he died. It was when he was doing one of the Pepsi commercials. And he was doing this commercial, and we'd heard about it, but they never showed the clip till after he died of, of the accident. There was an, an electrical explosion thing that had taken place. Well, they released the clip where you see Michael Jackson doing the commercial, and he's dancing. Oh, you know the way Michael can dance, and I can't. And Danette's got the camera on, so I'm not even going to attempt it. <laughs> but you know how Michael was dancing. And you see in the clip that gets released, he's just dancing. And in the background, you see this explosion take place, some electrical. And as he's dancing, his oily hair catches on fire. And the amazing thing is Michael Jackson never stopped dancing. He just kept on. He was so focused on all his moves, his head was on fire, and he didn't even stop. That's focus. It, it was some other people from the side, you see, come jumping onto his head and putting the fire out. That's what the church needs to be. So focused that even when our head is on fire, come on, days of Pentecost, even when our heads are on fire, we're not going to give in and we're not going to give up and we're going to keep our focus and we're going to fulfill all that God called us to do. Setting our face like a flint. We will fulfill what God called us to do. So focus is not giving in, it's not giving up. It doesn't matter what the doctor said, you've got focus. It doesn't matter what the economy's doing, you've got focus. You're holding on to the promises that God gave to you. You're holding on and you're keeping your eyes on Jesus. You're setting aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset. And you're looking unto Jesus because he's the author and finisher of your faith. You're keeping your focus. Number six, to keep our focus, we must recognize the source of distraction. You see, there's so many distractions going on. We must recognize the source of distraction so that we can deal with the distraction. I said, as I was telling you about what had happened to us in 2008, when all this started going on and, and Tanika uh, loses her sight and Trey has an accident all and my family's scattered to all different continents, the Lord said, this is a distraction. But in the midst of that, we were, we were asking because there are 
different things, different reasons things happen. Sometimes, sorry, need that shield up. <laughs> There's different reasons things happen to us. Sometimes it's our fault. Whatsoever things we sow, we, we reap. You reap to the flesh, you, uh, you sow to the flesh, you reap to the flesh. So, I mean, it's a valid question to ask, why is this happening? So you ask. But you've got to recognize and you've got to identify. Because then when you know what the distraction is, you can deal with it. There's things pulling on us. Sometimes it's things we brought on ourselves and it requires us to repent. But many times it's the enemy. Sometimes it's just that we live in a fallen world and we just need to take authority over the situation with the authority in the name of Jesus that's been given to us. Sometimes it's an actual attack, a designated attack to bring you down and to distract you, to steal your focus. And you recognize it so you can deal with it. I want to read a passage talking about Jesus again. Jesus in Matthew chapter 16. Here Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross and he's telling his disciples what he's going to go and face in Jerusalem. He says in verse 21, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the, from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, I mean, rebuke him? Peter began to take him aside, rebuke him, and saying, far be it from you, Lord, that this shall happen to you. Verse 23, and he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, we read this passage, and I remember reading it growing up, and like, oh, you can understand Peter's heart. I mean, Peter's like, no, Lord, don't say that they're going to arrest you and beat you. And we can understand that. But Jesus saw the source of the distraction. Do you know, sometimes the enemy, Satan, uses the people that are close to you to distract you. Sometimes it's a best friend. Sometimes it's a spouse. Husband, when the wife is distracting, you just got to say, get behind me, Satan. No, I'm just joking. That, that's just a joke. Truly a joke. But you identify the distraction, and you are open to, to know that sometimes the one close to you is not really, it's, it, there's something behind it. And Jesus saw exactly the source of the distraction, and he spoke to it, and he said, Get behind me, Satan. See, we recognize the source of distraction so that we can deal with it. Immediately, Jesus didn't waste time. See, that's the other thing. So many times we want to waste time with distractions. We, we, we don't mind the distraction. We let it keep going for a while. Jesus was quick. He didn't allow that distraction to, to, to affect his focus in any he knew what God had called him to do. Remember, he wasn't going to be separated from his purpose. He knew what God had called him to do. He was going to the cross. From, from the beginning of time, it was purposed that he would go to that cross and lay down his life for all of humanity. And here we hear the tender heart of Peter. No, and, he, and Jesus recognized the distraction was not Peter, it was Satan. And he said, get behind me. We've got to, we've got to recognize it so that we can deal with it. You know, Jesus, when he's teaching, he says, if your right hand is distracting you, it's becoming a stumbling block or an offense of some type, what do you do? You cut it off. You deal with it. When, you, when your right eye is, is causing a, a distraction to you, what do you do? You pluck it out. Now, I don't think Jesus is wanting us walking around with one arm and one eye. He's wanting us to deal with situations. 
deal with distractions, deal with those things that want to pull us away from our purpose so that we can keep our focus. Amen, I've forgotten what where we're at in life. Amen, are you guys with me? I am over time, so I'm going to just jump ahead. Amen. To keep our focus, we must recognize the source of distraction and deal with it. The last point, last one is your words affect your focus. I'm preaching to a rhema church word of faith. Amen? Amen? Our words affect our focus. What you say with your mouth determines what you see with your eyes. Jesus says in John chapter 4, he says, don't say there's four months and then comes the harvest. Don't you say that? Don't you say there's four? But don't say that. Behold, lift up your eyes and see the harvest is now. Don't allow your words to to, to determine that we're not going to take this harvest now. Don't allow your words to negate it. Don't allow your words to affect your focus. You see, we start just allowing all kinds of statements like, oh man, our country's going down, the economy's destroyed. You know, people, everybody's going to get sick. People are dying. I mean, oh, this is the worst thing. We're going to, November, come November, man, this thing is blown up. We're in civil war. I mean, you could allow all kinds of things to come out of your mouth. That's not going to do anything but distract you from your purpose. We've got to keep our focus our words. We've got to begin to declare what God says. I will prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. Amen. God's word says, he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion till the day of Jesus Christ. He that is working in me both to will and to act according to his good purpose. Amen. I am his workman created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Hallelujah. We begin to speak the word of God over our lives that we can keep the focus of our purpose, our assignment, our calling. We're going to fulfill it. Amen. No, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter how big the waves and the wind are that's blowing all around. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We keep our eyes on the, on the calling that he has called us for. Keeping our focus. And I'll close just with this because I am out of time. But good friend of mine, Peter, uh, Terry Nance. A good friend of mine, Terry Nance, wrote the book, God's Armor Bearer. And uh, great associate pastor, Pastor Caldwell, Agape Church. He started itinerating some years ago, and he had set up a 501c3 ministry organization, and it was called Focus on the Harvest. Focus on the Harvest. Great name, Focus on the Harvest. Started traveling around. He was doing armor bear conferences. He was preaching. He was pushing, casting vision for missions, the whole bit. And as he's setting up meetings, one time he called the church to set up a meeting, and he couldn't get through to the pastor. The receptionist said, oh, uh, um, Okay, I'll, I'll leave a message for the pastor. What, what, who should I say is calling it? This Terry Nance with Focus on the Harvest. The receptionist said, oh, I love that name, Focus on the Harvest. I've got a lot of seed in the ground, and I'm just waiting for, for my payday or something, however she said it. You know, when, when Terry heard that, it's like, oh, you're missing the point. We've, uh, we've, we've associated harvest with money. I want, I want us to get our focus back. Let's get some 2020 focus here. Of what did God call us to do? We've been called to reconcile men to God. And there are people that have never heard the name of Jesus. When we say focus on the harvest, we're talking about the souls of men. And we can't allow a bad economy or, or a, a political culture war, uh, whatever's going on. We can't allow this to separate us from our focus, from our purpose. We've got to keep our focus. Amen? So the Lord bless you this morning. I'm so grateful that you have 
supported us. You've blessed us. Get your book. God bless. Amen. being here again and uh, before we uh, stand up a second you've been sitting a while stand up before uh, cut you loose here I would make a, a quick invitation what Neil's talking about I mean 100% right I mean I felt uh, I, there were things you said that challenged me things that you said that encouraged me and things that you said that convict me because here we are in an age of distraction and but this focus that he's talking about is all Jesus-centered. So there's a, there's a crucial question here. Do you know that Jesus? Uh, because there are a lot of things that are competing for our attention. And you can uh, take some momentary comfort in the fact that I have something to focus on. But is it, is it of eternal value? There is only one thing that is meant to captivate us and is, that is worthy of our total lifetime of focus. It doesn't mean we can't do anything else. It means we can't focus our lives on anything else. And it's not a thing. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. So real quickly, is there anybody here you would admit, you would admit, look, I know who Jesus is. I believe in God, but I have never committed my life to him. I have never personally appropriated what he did for me on the cross, but I want to today. I'm wasting no more time. I'm going to get my life on track, and I know it starts with crying out to the God who loves me and the Son who saved me, that you are ready to confess him as your Lord and that you believe that God raised him from the dead. Anybody want to make that decision today? I'm not going to ask you to come up here, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Anybody? Say, this is my day. This is my day of salvation. Okay. Praise the Lord. I know that's because most of you have made that decision. Uh, but thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this couple. Thank you for the message that they have brought us this morning and uh, help us to receive that in our hearts. Uh, as uh, we get ready to dismiss here, I want to give you a couple of uh, piece of good news and, and a reminder. Uh, actually, let's, speaking of reminders, still could use some help with meals for the Kramers as Linda is recovering some, from some pretty major surgery. So if you can do that, let me know. Let somebody in the office know before you leave the building. We have got Monday and Wednesday taken care of. Right. We get Monday and Wednesday are taken care of. Let me finish the sentence, Lisa. And now, uh, <laughs> Monday and Wednesday are taken care of. We still need Friday this week and then, and then probably the next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So if you can let us know, that would be great. Uh, again, if you, uh, if you need, anybody need an envelope or anything for the offering, uh, they uh, might need one right here. They said it well that at the very beginning, Danette said, everything they're doing, we have a part of because we as a church have invested in this ministry. Uh, they can't do it without us. We can't fulfill the great commission of the world without them. We are all in this together. So everything that we do, everything, I promise you, if you've been here for any length of time, you know this. We don't mess around with this stuff. Every dime that's in that special offering basket goes to them. We don't take expenses out. We don't do anything that, uh, everything we do to, to put them up and everything else, that's something the church, we cover that as a church 
over and above this offering. Okay, so be a blessing to them. Also be a blessing to your church. We, we, there's a, the baskets out there for your regular tithes and offering, and God does bless that. Yes, the harvest is souls, but he also provides seed to the sower. That will be multiplied back to you as long as your focus is on continually investing in the kingdom of God. So I'm going to pray over that in a second. Last thing is the book table. They've got the picture books out there, which are what? 15 bucks? Uh, if you want to buy one of those. The uh, Neil's new book is uh, something we want you to have. And as a thank you to Living Word Family Church for being such faithful supporters of this ministry, especially over the last three or four months. Many, many churches are hurting. You guys have been very, very good to continue to honor God with the tithe, with the offering, and to support this ministry. So as a blessing to you, we want every family to have one copy of that book. The church is buying that for you. Okay? If you want more than one copy uh, for your family, you can pay for that. They're 10 bucks. But every family, help yourself to one. Just make sure it gets counted, and we'll write you a separate check for the books over and above the offering. We just want you to be blessed. I haven't finished that book, but I did start it this morning, and, uh, and, and it's, 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 worth, it's worth having, worth reading. So be blessed, church. Let me uh, pray over you. We'll pray over this offering and then wait to be dismissed by row. Am I forgetting anything else? All right. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you again for this time together. Thank you for Neil and Danette. Thank you for this word. Help us, Lord, to remember, to go over what we've heard today and implement those things in our lives, to truly focus on what you have declared is important. Help us focus on the harvest. Help us focus on this next generation and continue to fill us with your spirit and cause us to be a blessing right in the middle of all this nonsense, but help us not be distracted from, the, from keeping our eyes on the prize. I thank you, Lord, now for the opportunity to give into the work of your kingdom. We recognize that all of our blessings, all of our supply comes from you, and it is an honor to return a portion of that back to you as you have directed us, as you've commanded us to, and we also uh, grab hold of the promise that you will multiply it back to us, Father, that we can give again. Thank you for making this church a blessing to Neil and Danette, to reaching unreached nations, and to the nation of Niger. Thank you for divine connections. Pray that you continue to strengthen these ties and keep us all focused on the harvest till you come again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.